New Light Radio Drama presents a series of interviews from the Promesa Promesota team. Get to know the artists behind our first radio drama. And don't forget to make a donation to support future work. You can Venmo us at New Light Theater Project or become a donor at patreon.com slash New Light Theater Project. Okay, well then, welcome to the show. New Light Theater Project's very first radio drama, Promesa Promesoto, written by our very own core member, talented writer, gifted artist, just all around amazing person, Gama Valle. <laughs> Sounds like me. That is you. And so modest. I guess for people who haven't listened yet, can you tell us briefly, and no spoilers please, what Promesa Promesoto is about? I would say Promesa Promesota is sort of like the encounter between siblings, one has left the home to move to New York City and the other one has come to New York City to find out what's going on with Carlos, which is the, the main character. The two characters in this play are Isa and Carlos, their sister and brother, and that's why both of them are in New York City right now. One has made New York City their home. The other one is starting to do so, but with the intention to reinsert herself into Carlos' life. It's hard not to give like spoilers. I think it's, if someone wants like a, a more succinct introduction, it's like Carlos has been living in New York for a while now. And Isa, his sister, has been in New York for maybe a couple of weeks. She just recently moved. But she hasn't been able to see Carlos. And now that she's trying to visit him, he's not opening the door. He's not letting her into his apartment. And that's where the drama comes from, uh, where it starts. This specific moment, this specific scene, we see what happens when Carlos agrees to open the door for Isa, finally. So there's discoveries and revelations. (laughs) A gripping drama for the ages. Yeah. Nice. So can I ask, what sparked the idea for writing this? You know, at the beginning, it was a, like a strange process because this scene, I wrote it for a friend that wanted for me to write a few scenes for him because he wanted to put together a, a reel. He wanted scenes that were original. He was having a hard time of finding scenes for his type. So he said, oh, can you write something for me? It was like, sure, I'll... And, and I just said to write three sort of generic scenes, like nothing that was like super specific, something that he could perform with absolutely anyone. And then that didn't go anywhere because of COVID. Uh, and then fast forward, we started sort of like brainstorming what we could do a New Life Theater project in terms of like creating... A, a virtual season or it's at least just sort of create some sort of work that we could present people or engage our audience with. Yeah, we started a whole committee to figure right. out yeah. what we could do in these times. And I think that's when the radio drama committee sort of came to be. And in the process, we were trying to figure out if we would produce a, a full-length radio drama or we would uh, select a few scenes or select a known scene and and then work it uh, and sort of adapt it to to a radio drama format. 
But at some point, I think we, we thought about original scenes. So I sent those three scenes that I had there in my files. Like, you know, nothing. I don't think anything is happening with these scenes anytime soon. And that's how Promesa Promesotas uh, came to be, like, the first draft. But then in the process of developing it for radio drama or for new light radio dramas, then I had to go back to to the beginning of it and say, what did inspire me to, to write this in the first place? Something inspired the relationship between Isa and Carlos. I also was important to me now that we were going to produce the scene. It's like, how can I make it more Latinx specific? Uh, is it just the use of Spanish here and there? Is it something else? And then I started researching and reading about mental health in the Latin uh, Latinx community, in, in, specifically in the United States, and how uh, the Latinx is still a, a community that's strongly affected, uh, very much affected by mental health, mainly because it's not culturally acceptable to say I need help because I have some mental health condition or whatever it is that is affecting you at the moment. And more if you're a, a male identifying person, it, people would just think that you're weak. And it also there's a, a religious level or layer to, to the whole experience of addressing your mental health. Because it's like, oh, that doesn't sound right. It, it's not clear to a, 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 an older generation. So I started looking at studies and, and websites that talked about this. Also, immigration is a big problem in terms of having access to mental health help or treatment. I don't want to like go into write something that's, that's going to discuss all the, the, the facts and details because it's, it's not an essay or, <laughs> or a list. But that's why when I finished writing or rewriting the scene, I mentioned to KP, it's like, oh, let's add some sort of... PSA at the beginning, because uh, we definitely talk about depression and talk about uh, suicide in the play. It's not completely about that, but it's mentioned. It's part of what makes everyone so scared about the state of Carlos' life. And, and I think that helped inspire the last version of these two characters and what happened. It was a very complicated uh, answer for inspiration. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I, I think there's this idea of the creative process where like you get an idea and then you write an idea and then like we see the idea manifest on stage and it's a very linear line. So I think it's fascinating <laughs> to hear that you started off with this idea and wrote it out as a very general way for your friend to be able to use it in whatever manner. And then to take that and then drill down on, to make it more personal. Mm -hmm. And in that, coming up with all this research that, you know, I think it's really wonderful. And I, I, I'm always really proud of um, when, you know, when we are able to produce work that touches people that way. So you wrote it originally to be filmed, and then it was going to be recorded, so you drilled down to make it more specific. And then as you were writing it, what kind of adjustments did you have to make in your writing process, knowing that this piece of art would only be heard? Well, first was like thinking about the environment. Like A lot of times when you're writing theater or film, you do think about the environment, but it's not the main concern. You think that 
a sound designer will come in and will add whatever is necessary. Or a director will come and say, you know, we need this or that to make this more enjoyable or more clear. But it's never like your main concern. For this one, yes, you have to shift and say how much these characters are willing to say. Because one thing is like what I know we need to say for people to understand the, the story. But also have to think about what the characters actually want to say in the specific situations. Like how much do I want to reveal? And then you have to think about that environment. How much they, they, they want to say and how much a voiceover or, or a narrator can help you move things along. And there's a lot of actions that you have to think about in terms of does this action translate into sound or this will be like totally difficult to transform into into a sound cue that people will recognize so you're like oh okay so i'm in a an apartment setting so i know there's appliances and and, and there's things that i can use there's water there there's uh, maybe a phone and things that we can that, that are recognizable uh, so we understand what's what's happening and, and, and where the characters are. I feel for me was the balance of I didn't want something that felt expository at, at all. It was like, how do I accomplish uh, a scene that can happen as organically as possible? And how can I support it with what we hear around the apartment? What elements or reactions or emotions can be transmitted through the narration and that's why I decided to use Carlos as the narrator because he had access at least from his point of view this is all from his point of view access to Issa's emotions somehow and could bring that to us when it was needed but yes, I, I think that was like the change. It, it, it's about how, how you like sort of switch your brain to remember that no one's going to see these people that you're portraying. So you have to to really like sort of close your, like sort of like ride with your eyes closed <laughs> somehow. So you have to like really put yourself in that situation. It's like if I'm listening to these people talk, what else can I listen to? Do I get the information? Also, you have to then really lean into the actors and trust that their interpretation uh, will transmit those feelings and those emotions that won't be transmitted through facial reactions. Because that's usually, and more since this scene was uh, originally thought for, for the camera, you always, oh, you know, those moments where they're silenced, you're, you're going you're gonna to have, like, their faces and how they look at each other. And we didn't have, uh, like, pickups where we, we see their, their hands or, or, or we see that they're doing something else with their body. We don't have a body language to, to go off from. So that I think that that was the the, the biggest uh, change. Yeah. Once you got into rehearsal, then did you notice a difference in the collaboration process as opposed to theater or film? I think it's, it was really really similar. It's definitely more contained because you didn't have a set designer, you didn't have a custom designer, <laughs> you didn't have any of the artists that deal with the visuals of, of film or theater. Uh, so here it was more about everyone listening carefully to what was transmitted by the actors and also listening to John that was like the, the sound designer for this 
so he could tell us like if you add this detail it might help us understand what's going on better because uh, I don't think through sound we'll be able to transmit uh, there was a very specific moment there's a mention of the kitchen of that and that came through through John who said you know it, it will be hard to understand since we're not seeing the space that she's at the front door and she's walking to the kitchen if so if no one mentions the kitchen and though and that's sort of like one of the things that is important in radio drama is like somehow you have to tell the audience where the characters are without saying we are here now yeah john did a great job with the sound design yeah he did um a wonderful job with the ip uh, this is something that for people who have listen to recognize what I'm talking about. He did a great job finding ways to use that element that I introduced as, as part of the writing and the sort of the soundscape of the play, but he took it further. So he did a, a great, great job, like adding details here and there that really brought the scene to life. Yeah. The same with KP, redirecting and, and making the actors sort of create a balance between really sort of hamming up the lines because we're just listening to them so we'd really need to transmit the emotion and that contrast with the of the scene so the collaboration it's 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 similar yeah. but less people involved mm -hmm. definitely so after this process i know this was written to be filmed and then it evolved and it became this do you feel inspired to keep telling carlos and isa's story um i don't know it's like this was created just to be this and, and there's no life after that. But what I found is that in developing other stories, I've I found ways to bring Carlos back, also Isa here and there, um, in unexpected ways. But it, it's, it's like a nice, cute wink to anyone that has heard or listened to Promesa Promesa, and they're like, oh, the, those characters from that one. The radio drama multiverse. <laughs> That's exciting. So is this a new radio drama you're working on? Uh, I am. I'm working on something uh, new that has more episodes. It's not just one episode or just this one short moment. It's a story that it might have five episodes. I, I don't want to write like anything that's super, super duper long. Because I don't know where, when or if it will come to life. So I'm just writing something because it was so exciting to write. Uh, something f to be recorded so it's like you know I have all these other ideas and uh, these characters in, in this specific setting but it was it was like it's a nice uh, exciting project five short episodes that will exist and we'll see if we'll have um, a home at some point well obviously audiences will be clamoring to hear what's next well, thank you so much for sharing so much about your process and personally and what the process of creating New, New Light Theater Project's very first radio drama. Thank you for tuning in to New Light Radio Drama. This interview was brought to you by Bethany Garrity and Gama Valle, edited by William Phelps, music by Andy Evan Cohen, and produced by New Light Theater Project.